For the past three years, I've been in a, a program for spiritual directors. Spiritual directors are sort of like a confidant or a person you meet with who helps guide you in the spiritual life. And uh, as priests, that's often what people will ask us for, is, is spiritual guidance. And I've been kind of surprised as I've learned what it means to be a spiritual director, really, um, that it's not so much like being the most spiritually wise person who has all the best advice to give. It's just being a person who has a very strong habit of pointing other people to Jesus, okay? And having the ability to recognize when the Lord is working in, in your own heart or in the heart of someone else, to, you know, speaking to the depths and getting them to just stay there. It's really very simple. And I think uh, John the Baptist, in today's gospel especially, is a great model for what it means to be a spiritual director. Every time you see John the Baptist, occasionally he's preaching and baptizing, but normally when we see him, he's just pointing out, I'm not the one. He is. You know, and it, it doesn't bother him one bit, for instance, in today's gospel, that when he shows John and Andrew, his disciples who have been following John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. Look it. That they leave him right away and start following Jesus. It just says they, they just started following him. Oh, the Lamb of God? Yeah, let's go. And then you have this, this beautiful encounter that is so life-changing for John and Andrew that they, Jesus turns to them and says, what are you looking for? And they answer his question with another question. Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus simply says, come and you will see. They say it was about four in the afternoon. They just went for a walk with Jesus and then stayed where he was staying. And it was so memorable, they remembered the exact time of day that it was. Not much is said. Nothing is reported of what they talked about. Even less is accomplished. You know, they didn't do anything. They didn't go on any missions. Um, but something radical is happening in the lives of these men. And it's the beginning of a whole new life. Um, for me, it kind of harkens back to the book of Genesis. You remember after the fall of Adam and Eve, and they had been naked without shame, but then after the first sin that they, they realized their nakedness and they hide from each other and from God. They hide from God in the sense that he's looking for them in the afternoon because that's normally the time, it says, that he would go for a walk with them when the sun is setting, like about four in the afternoon. And... Uh, he says, where are you? Where were you? And Adam says, uh, I realized I was naked, so I hid from you. Who told you you were naked, he says. And then the whole, the whole revelation of what, what's happened, this corruption in the heart of man that has caused us to, to not be so eager to just simply be with God, to simply share our lives, our hearts, to just be there with him. Um, that, that's the whole mission Jesus has come in some ways to... to upend and, and to invite us back to this home where it's not about doing, it's simply about being. Remember he says, uh, Jesus, in the Last Supper, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. There's a great line in one of the so uh, talks at Seek, Monsignor Shea, he said, because of our baptism, there is this cavern that God has created in our hearts that he wants to make his home. This emptiness in our hearts, it's just, it, it's the place that only God can fill, but he wants to fill it. He wants to be there with us in it. 
Jesus says, it's important, the question they say, where are you staying? That's also another important word in the Last Supper. He says, remain in me, stay in me. Don't go anywhere. Just be here as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it remains on the tree, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Very simply put, it's like the the AA prayer. Don't just do something, sit there. You know, when you're an addict or when you're, you're compulsive, there's this need when there's this restlessness in us, when we sense that emptiness, I gotta fill it, I gotta do something. And, and that habit has to be kind of upended by this very chill <laughs> command of Jesus, remain in me. Don't just do something, sit there. It is so tempting to do something. But all the way back to St. Augustine. Lord, you made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The Catechism says this. God calls man first. Man may forget his creator or hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. If you think this is just for special holy people, monks in the Alps who sit there all day praying to just remain in Jesus. No, he's calling each of us tirelessly to this this mysterious encounter known as prayer, which is not a feat of stamina or strength, like who can be the one who clears his mind the most or is resistant to looking at their phone or entertaining themselves, can just sit there and think about nothing. It's not how strong you are. It's a surrender. It's actually an intensification of your life of your experience, because it means living from the heart, not living outside, but living from the inside. This is another thing St. Augustine said, um, that you were within, talking to God, but I was outside. You were in here, but I insisted on living out here, distracted, and that's where I sought you. He says, you were with me, and I was not with you. Isn't that remarkable? Master, where are you staying? Where are you staying? It's a Christian teaching that God created everything out of nothing. The Latin phrase is ex nihilo. He didn't just take a bunch of stuff like clay and and make it into something else. There was nothing, and then God spoke, and there was something. Let there be light. And... It's the same thing with you. You were nothing once. You did not exist. And then God spoke some word, and then here you are. And that is what your heart is, is this nothingness, this emptiness into which God speaks this something that is you. Only he knows who you really are. You don't even know because it's unfolding before your very eyes. Your heart's are the place where this creation is happening, this creativity of God to make the unique person and personality that is you. But I think that nothingness is scary to us. We'd rather fill it with something. We'd rather look outside and be like, maybe that's who I am, or maybe that's what I should be, or what do other people think of me? But to just dwell in that nothingness with God and let him speak your name to you, to just be with him, 
That's prayer. That's living. But how is this practical? It might just sound like Christian navel-gazing, like we're just supposed to all sit quiet by ourselves and just kind of like be there. How, what are we supposed to do? Isn't life about doing stuff too? Well, actually, it's the most practical thing there is. Because what is it that attracted these men to Jesus in the first place, do you think? It's that Jesus is a man who lives from his heart. He's not swayed by the crowd's opinion of him or the devil in the desert tempting him. Hey, throw yourself off the temple parapet. Everybody's going to be really impressed. He doesn't listen to anything but what the Father is saying directly to his heart. And that makes Jesus powerful and powerfully attractive. Have you ever met a person that lives like that who knows who they are? Doesn't just try to pretend to be someone they're not to impress people or to, to fit in. That just is, is passionately themselves. Uh, Father Pedro Arupe, who was the superior general for the Jesuits for many years, has this great quote I love. I'll just read it. It says, Nothing is more practical than finding God. That is, than falling in love in a quite absolute way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the mornings, what you will do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, what, who you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. He says, fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. There's nothing more practical than what John and Andrew are doing in following Jesus to where he's staying, to just be there with him. So the question he's putting back on us, where are you staying? Where do you remain? When it's four o'clock in the afternoon, the sun is starting to set. Where's your resting place? Where do you go to be at home, to dwell? The Lord is inviting you to stay with him.